We've been in Genesis, Genesis 1 through 11 as a, as a foundation. Because look, if you don't have a right foundation, what's going to happen? Sooner or later, you're going to crash and burn, okay? Uh, no matter how successful, listen, no matter how successful we are in the world, you're eventually going to crash and burn, okay? Because without Christ, what, what do we have? You have nothing. Without God, without that relationship, if the vertical's not right, what happens with the horizontal? It's all jacked up. Looks good in the world's eyes, but spiritually it can be all jacked up. So we went through 1 through 11 as our foundation. What's foundational to our faith? And, and then we're looking at Abraham. It changes gears there in, in, in 11 and 12, and it starts looking at one individual. God called, set apart, just like Scotty, God set apart one guy, right? His name's Abram. God hadn't changed his name yet. And he called him out of a land of Ur and said, hey, man, I want you to go to Canaan. I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you great descendants. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. So Abram went, you know, and that's where we're at. We're here in chapter 15, and in chapter 15, we're not going to go back through the whole thing, but chapter 14, Lot gets in trouble. His nephew, you know, Lot chose the, the plush. He chose the worldly-looking thing. You know, he chose the world system near, near Sodom, right? All of a sudden, he's in trouble, so Lot has to go rescue his nephew. He rescues his nephew. Where does Lot go? Right back to Sodom, right? So... Abram is in this kind of a funk, right? Y'all ever get y'all ever been on the mountaintop? God does some amazing stuff, and then and then you're, you know, Satan starts to attack, right? Starts to attack your mind. It's like, what did I do that for? That knucklehead. I mean, what what Lord, what are you doing? I just I just defeated these kings. Now are they coming for me? Have I got to form an army? What am I doing? You know, I mean, you ever done that? You know how many times Bill and I quit on Monday morning? How many times we resign on Monday morning? Because God's working, God's doing some stuff. And, and, you know, Satan starts messing with your head, man. That's where Abram's at in chapter 15. And, and look, God comes to him. Because we all have doubts from time to time, right? Y'all ever doubt? Believers supposed to doubt? What? I thought when you get saved, you're not supposed to doubt. Look, man, doubt's not a sin. Okay, I got questions. You got questions? We've all got questions. Sometimes it just, man, I'm telling you, sometimes it looks like, I don't know how in the world God's going to do this. I, I, I just, I ain't got a clue. That's where, that's where Abram's at. I love David uh, Gusick uh, with Enduring Words said this. I love this. There's a difference in doubt that denies God's promise and a doubt that desires God's promise. See, Abram didn't deny God's promise. He desired it, but he just couldn't see how it was going to happen. I mean, here's a, this cat's 80 years old, man. How, who's 80 or above in here? Hold your hand up, Mr. T. We got a few folks in here. 80 or above, okay? He's been promised some children, and, and he's 80, and they ain't happened yet. Uh, Sarah's 75, okay? So he's going, okay, the Lord's promised me a bunch of descendants, and he showed me the stars, and I'm 80 year old. My wife's 75, and we ain't got no babies. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's got to mess with your head, right? And, and look, three things we learned last week in chapter 15. One, trust God. We say that a lot, church. And our actions speak differently. Come on, let's just be real. We, we say that a lot, but then we act differently. 
Greg Groeschel wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. Here's the gist of it. Okay? It's believers who believe in God, but they act like He doesn't exist. Man, trust God. It don't matter what your circumstance is. It don't matter what it looks like. If God said it, you can believe it because God said it. It is that simple. It is that simple, guys. Trust Him. Look, chapter, I'm not sorry, not chapter, but uh, verse 6 of chapter 15. God credited, credited to Abram because, uh, credited him righteousness because he believed. And he didn't believe in God, he just believed. He believed what God said, okay? There's a difference in that, right? Trusting him, agreeing with him, obedience to him and his word. That's acting on it. Guys, that's the definition of faith. That's the definition of faith. Those three things combined, okay? Not just believing. It's trusting, it's agreeing with God, and it's acting on his word. The second thing we learn is God himself is our security and our great reward. Not what God is going to do through me. Not what God is going to. Not not in how God's going to use me. Okay, and that's all. That's great stuff. I love what God's doing here. But man, this this is not our reward. Our reward is Jesus Christ Himself. That relationship, man. If if everything in the world is happening, but the relationship's not growing, you you need to check. You need to stop and check some stuff. Reevaluate what you're doing. Because it's in that relationship. That's our reward. That's our security. John 17, 3, man. This is eternal life. That they know you, the one true living God, and Jesus Christ you sent. That's eternal life. That's the reward. Jesus didn't mention anything in there about heaven. You know, we, we just try to convert people. We try to scare the hell out of people. Literally, to get them to go to heaven. But it's not about that. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay? That's, that's Jesus' words. It's not Paul's words. Not my words. Those are Jesus' words. John 17. And then the third thing. Look, man. There's no fear in faith. Okay? There's no room for fear in faith. Look at what faith is again. Trusting God. Agreeing with Him in His Word. Acting in obedience to Him in His Word. How is there any fear in there? No fear in that. But you got to walk in that. you got to walk in that. So many times in the Bible, man, we read about why God wanted to do some amazing stuff, and, 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 and they had to take the what? They had to take that first step. Okay? I mean, if you need a job bad, you can sit at the house in the recliner eating popcorn and potato chips. Somebody may not knock on your door offering you a job. You might have to get on the Internet or go out and, and start searching for a job, right? Same thing applies to us, Hebrews eleven six, 6, right? God rewards those who what? Seek Him. So we've got to seek Him, man. Some of us just sitting in that recliner eating potato chips waiting on it to happen. Man, get up, get out, and, and, and we'll find Him when we seek Him. Right? So those are the three things that we, we saw last week. And, and here, here we're in chapter 16 this week. So uh, Now there's been a five or six year elapse between 15 and 16. Okay, So this, this is not just the next day. So I think this is, this is five years later. And uh, 
You know, it's crazy how we are, isn't it? Aren't we some crazy folks? It's just crazy. I, mean, I, I read that in 15, and I'm so encouraged. Then I get to 16, and I'm like, <laughs> really? So does anybody here like waiting? Who's a fan? Who is a fan in here like, man, I love to wait. I can't wait to wait. <laughs> Nobody, right? No, I don't know anybody who likes to wait. Uh, I'm terrible. Kelly and I did a personality test years and years ago when Freedom first started. And in that personality test, there was lions. Uh, and I'll explain this in a minute. There was a lion, a beaver, a golden retriever, and an otter. Okay? I'm a lion. A lion is, okay, we got to do this. Let's go do it. What are y'all waiting on? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, Kelly's an otter. It's like, let's just have fun first. What are we doing? Let's say, fun, 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 fun. What do you mean go? You know, and the beaver is, the beaver's look, man, all the I's got to be dotted and the T's got to be crossed. How are we going to get there? What time we're leaving? Where are we going to eat? Who's got the money? Who's got, you know, it's, it's that person. Uh, and then the golden retrievers, well, wait a minute, man, wait a minute. Y'all slow down. You know, we, we, you, David over here, uh, David can't get off work and he wants to go and his feelings are hurt. So, you know, I'm that lion guy, right? So waiting, waiting is a bad thing. The last three times we went out with huge groups, and some of y'all were with us. Uh, I mean, we had like 8 to 10, 12 people. And this has happened to me three times. I got my food after everybody else had finished their food. Yeah. You know, it's bad enough when you, I usually eat a meal before I go to eat a meal. See, that's just the way I am, because I don't know what they're going to have, and I ain't going to be hungry, okay, because I get hangry quick, okay, if y'all know me, I, I get hangry quick, I got a snack waiting on me somewhere, so uh, I'm sitting there, I'm starving, man, and I'm, I'm watching people eat their food, and I'm like, man, dude, and they come by, oh, sir, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll go check on that, we'll go check on that, we'll go. don't check on it, man, go make it, you know, three times that happened to me, three times, and then, you know, I do a lot of grocery shopping now for, for Kelly. She's, she's busy. We're, we're, we're doing some stuff there uh, with Freedom, changing, changing our system. And the last couple times I've been grocery shopping. Uh, isn't it amazing at Food Line how they've got six lines, two are open, and they're back all the way up in the main aisle. And they see that you're backed up eight deep. And I'm looking at the other line, and, and I'm thinking, I'm all, why do I always choose the slowest line? Huh? You know, and the person in this line's going, why do I always choose the slowest line? You know, and then you switch lines and what happens? That line slows down. They never bring another checkout person up. Never. They just let you suffer and you're waiting. And isn't it amazing how our time of waiting is directly proportional to my sense of ur urgency. The more in a hurry I am, the more red lights I hit in Fayetteville. Huh? I'm good after, you know, two, I'm good. Man, but you hit the third red light, you're losing your mind. Huh? Murphy's Law of Waiting. Anything that can go wrong and cause me to wait will. Right? We laugh at that, but you know we do that spiritually. We, we do that spiritually. We expect God to do it right now. 
Well, I, J.D., I prayed this morning, and man, it's, 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 11, it's 11.27, and God ain't answered my prayer. God's on God time. Ain't nobody else in that time zone. We can't even fathom God time. Okay? Psalm 46.10, God said, be still and know that I'm God. I will be praised in all the nations. I will be praised throughout the earth. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a life verse for me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will, and all you do, He'll show you which path to take. Sometimes God's will is for you to wait. Sometimes God's will is for us to wait. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. That's right in the middle of that verse. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Then it says it again, wait for the Lord. Twice in that one little short verse, wait for the Lord. So, so I, wanna, I wanted to say that before we get in chapter 16 because it, it makes a difference. You know, Keep that in mind as we go through chapter 16. So here we are in verse 1. I titled, I titled this, uh, Tired of Waiting, Hagar and Ishmael. Verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, hey, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in the land of Canaan 10 years, Okay, he's, he's, he's 85 now. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Hagar began to despise Sarah. They're living in Canaan for 10 years. You know, God called him at 75. So he goes, he's 85. They're, they're, he's doing what God's called him to do. You know, he's 85 years old. No, no kids yet, right? Nothing's happened. Five years ago, God, God showed up and, and God encouraged him. God, God reassured him. God even established a blood covenant with Abram. He's going to give him all these kids, right? Nothing's happened. And Sarah, Sarah pretty much is blaming God, right? God hasn't given me. You know, where'd that come from? Y'all remember the story, Adam and Eve? They're blaming, you know, blaming one another, blaming God. The Lord has kept me from having children. She's tired of waiting, man. So she takes matters into her own hands. I'm going to fulfill God's promise, or I'm at least going to get the, you know, but God needs a lot of help, don't he? In some, look, man, I'm serious. God just needs help in some places, okay? No. God needs no help. Abram, I want you to sleep with my slave girl, Hagar. And this, is a, this is a line that stuck out at me. Perhaps I can build a family through her. I. Look at where the focus has gone. Focus has gone from what God's going to do to what I can do. Man, that's not what God promised Abram, is it? That's not what God promised at all. Here's, here's a question. So put your kickstand down. Here's a question for you for a minute. Okay? Are we living in God's promise or something we've created? 
A lot of people in ministry here this morning. Is it what God created? Well, because you got tired of waiting, it's something you've established. Well, we don't do that in ministry. Oh, yes, we do. Guys, we do that in every area of our life because we don't like waiting. God promised a child from Abram's own flesh. Now, Abram and Sarah were one, right? When you get married, you're one. It's not this, okay? It's not this, guys. It's this. That's a mystery. It's just like our relationship in Jesus. Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We become one in Christ, okay? Same thing in marriage. Abram and Sarah were one. The baby was going to come. God's promise was going to come through Abram and Sarah, not what Abram and Sarah were going to do. It was a son promised by God. Hang on to that. Because at the end, that's going to be important. See here, man, and this hit me. When we manipulate our own circumstances to get what God promised, but it's not from God, then how can it be what God promised? It's not. How do we justify disobedience to get God's promise? We can't. But unfortunately, Satan has us blind to these truths, doesn't he? And we justify it. Now, slave girl, remember back, I think it was what, chapter 12, 11 or 12, remember the famine was coming, Abram, he left, and he went to Canaan, a famine was coming, and Abram decides to go to Egypt, remember that? God didn't tell him to go to Egypt. Abram just made the decision to go to Egypt to run away from the famine. When he gets there, he's got this great plan. I'm going to tell a lie to Pharaoh, right? She's not my wife. She's just my sister, right? Man, if you ever decide to lie, that's not coming from God, okay? First thing is don't do something God didn't tell you to do, and then don't decide that your plan is to tell somebody a lie. They get there. Well, Pharaoh takes Sarah because he ain't asking. He's Pharaoh. Right? And they give Abram a big dowry, right? They give him cattle. They give him livestock. They give him male and female slaves. This is one of the slaves that was given to Abram when they took Sarah. Here's a decision that, that happened 10 years ago, and look at a bad decision that happened 10 years ago. Look at how this is coming back to haunt Abram and Hagar. Now, guys, this ain't for the ladies. Ladies, I ain't talking to you right now. Guys, I, I, I think we can say, right, most of us, most of the time, our wives, my wife has really good intuition. Wouldn't you say that, guys? Amen. We've got one amen. So, I, I just, ladies, I can't help you. If you old man didn't say amen to that, I cannot help you. But my wife, most of the time, my wife has got a good intuition, okay? She gives good advice, right? They're, they're, they're level-headed. They're smart. I mean, intelligent. Uh, probably do a lot less knuckleheaded stuff than we do. Some of you, most of us, me included, have probably been saved from dumb stuff because of our wives. Wouldn't you agree? I, I mean, so. But look, man, this is one. So I would, I would say Sarah's probably that that chick. You know, she's probably that. But look, man, this is one time Abram should have not listened to his wife. This is one time when Abram should not have listened to his old lady. This is one time when Abram should have said, No, we're not going there. 
No, we're not going there. I mean, it's been 10 years, right? God hasn't shown up. We've got to make something happen. Look, Sarah's plan worked. Sarah's plan worked. And it, it, hey, it wasn't Abram's issue, was it? Sarah was the one that couldn't have kids. Abram's 85, and he gets Hagar pregnant. Look, I've said this several times, guys. We can do things in the flesh in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 7. But, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We cast out demons in your name. What did Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you. So we can do stuff in the name of Jesus, right? Look, man, if what we're doing doesn't line up with what God promised, if what we're doing doesn't line up with God's word, is that from God? If it's not from God, where's it coming from? If it's successful, where's it coming from? You think, Satan blessed me for 35 years to keep me from coming to Jesus. Satan, let me say that again. Satan blessed me for 35 years of my life because it, we, those things were my gods. And it kept me from coming to know Jesus Christ. You think Satan won't do that in your life? Hagar's pregnant. She begins to have contempt for Sarah. Now, you got to think about this, man. Hagar is this, Hagar is this young chick, man. She's a slave girl. She's a slave girl to, to Sarah. Sarah's 75 years old. Hagar may be a, 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 a 30 years old. We don't know if she was a, a child slave back then. We don't know how old she was. But I'm assuming she's probably pretty young, okay? She's just, man, for the first time in her life, she probably feels valued. Think about this. For the first time in her life, she just slept with Abram. She knows who Abram is. She knows God's called him. She knows what the deal is. She slept with him. She's carrying Abram's baby. The first time in her life, she feels valued. And she's looking at Sarah. I said, this chick's 75 years old. She can't get pregnant. What's she got to offer? I'm better than that. It happens, man. She's from Again, she's from Egypt, right? It doesn't say if she's saved, if she's a believer. She may, she may be atheist. We don't know. She may be worshiping other gods. We don't know, right? Hagar is supposed to be a surrogate, listen to this, womb slave. See, in that day and time, if, if, if you couldn't have, couples were married, you couldn't have children, then they would take a slave of the household, and they would do exactly what Sarah did to produce kids. And the kids produced would become a child of Abram and Sarah. So it's kind of the custom of the day, right? Notice what Abram, or not Abram, but Sarah's doing. Instead of depending on God's promise, instead of depending on what God told me to do, I'm going to do what the custom of the world does. We're just going to do what the world says it's okay to do instead of standing on God's promises. Are we seeing that today? And notice, not one time has Sarah or Abram consulted God, gone to God, cried out to God. God hadn't been mentioned so far in this whole story. Then Sarah says in verse 5, I love this, Sarah says to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. 
I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between me and you. Now they bring God into it. Right? As soon as we blow some stuff up, we want to get God in it, right? Sarah blames Abram. First time God's brought into it. You know we can eliminate a whole lot of nonsense in our life if we just bring God in first. So whatever you're getting ready, any decision you're getting ready to make, why don't we just stop? I tell couples when we do weddings, uh, when we do discipleship, I said, look, if you guys will agree, we're going to do what God's Word says. Let's decide on that right now. Do you know that eliminates 98% of the issues you're going to have in your life? And, and the other 2% are just real easy. That's personality. If you decide on principle over personality, man, you, you'll have rarely any conflicts in your life. And look, man, it, it was... It was Sarah's idea, but it really was Abram's fault. Why was it Abram's fault? Abram's the head of the house. Abram is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. Abram should have been a man that reminded Sarah of God's word, that reminded Sarah of God's promise, that reminded Sarah, hey, look, I know it was five years ago, but God God gave us a blood covenant. I split the animals. God walked through it. I'm not backing up on God now. God promised it, Sarah, and we're going to trust God, and we're going to wait on Him. Sarah, do you really want the flesh, or do you want God's promise? You want what the flesh can do, or do you want what God said He's going to do? And he should have he put an end to it. And now look, sometimes obedience to God's word does bring conflict. Sometimes obedience to God's word uh, requires great sacrifice. But I would rather have that conflict, I would rather have that sacrifice in my life than to disobey God and then deal with the conflict and the, and, and, and the sacrifice of disobedience. Okay? But church, we need to wake up to that. Y'all listening to me? We need to wake up to that. There's some things going on right now in, in America that we're allowing because we're not standing up for Jesus. There's some things right now, okay? This ain't political. This is spiritual. I'm not talking about politics. Okay? Y'all don't hear me talk about politics from the pulpit. I'm not going to. But spiritually... We need to stand up and say, hey, man, that's wrong. No, I'm going to stand on God's word. That's wrong. No, I'm not going to gravitate to that. I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm not going to accept that because it's wrong. Guys, church, if we don't do that, we're going to be experiencing the conflict and sacrifices of disobedience at some point in time. We're already in it right now. Okay? So we, we, we as a church, we need, to, we need to stand up and start standing on God's promises. Abram, he does the right thing. He says, hey, verse 6, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. And then Sarah, Sarah starts mistreating Hagar. Right? I mean, all of Sarah's fury starts to come out. 
In other words, Habern says, look, she's not wife number two. No, she's your slave girl. Nothing's changed in our relationship. I just did what you asked me to do, okay? I agreed with you. That was wrong. I realize that now. She's not wife number two. And then Sarah goes, mistreats her to the point that Hagar runs off. She's mistreated. She's abused. So look, she's pregnant. She has no provision. And she just takes off out into the wilderness. She's going back to Egypt. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarah. He answered, and look, man, this is the first time the angel of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible. And we know that last couple of weeks, you know, you've heard of theophany and a Christophany. That's where God takes the form of, of a person or, or this thing and, and, and reveals himself to Christ. So here, here God is appearing uh, to man in angelic form, right? First time the Lord's involved in this situation. And it has nothing to do with Abraham and Sarah or Abram and Sarah. The Lord found her. Don't you love that? The Lord found her. She didn't find the Lord. The Lord found her. She was running away from people. She was running away from circumstances. She was running away from stress in her life. She was running away from everything. And the Lord still found her. Man, I love that. And then look, check this out. He called her by name. He called her by her name. Hagar, slave of Sarah. He didn't call her Abram's second wife. She was a slave of Sarah. Where have you come from? What are you do? Where have you come from and where are you going? Remember when Adam and Eve hid? What, what did God say to Adam and Eve? Where are you? Same principle here. She, God just wants her to admit where she's at in life. And the Lord knew, right? I mean, he already knew. He just wanted her to confess it. I mean, look, sometimes the Lord allows situations, circumstances in our life to draw us to him for repentance and blessing. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, hey, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much they will become too numerous to count. There's your repentance and your blessing. The angel of the Lord said also to her, You're now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Ishmael, meaning the Lord hears. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. So in other words, God comes to her, God finds her, God tells her to repent and return. You're going to have a son. You're going to have many descendants. I'm going to bless you. But your boy is going to be a wild donkey of a man. There's going to be no peace in the house. There's going to be nothing but fighting and conflict. Ishmael would become the father of the Arab people. Nomads. No permanent place to call home. Isaac, God's promised son, he becomes the father of the Jewish nation. So verse 13, she gave the name. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Praise God, man. Aren't you glad God sees you? For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. 
That is why the well was called uh, Belaharog, which means well of the living who sees me. It says it's still there between Kadesh and Bered. Look, man, Hagar knows this is the Lord, right? She gives him a name. You're the God that sees me. I've seen the one who sees me. I've, I've seen the living worm. And, man, I love this because God saw her. He went out of his way to find her. He knew her name, and he called him to, or called her to himself. God is not some distant, faraway being. He knows, he sees, he hears. Man, he cares. God sees us today. God sees you today. He, he hears. He's been hearing. He knows. And your situation is not hidden from him. And, man, I, I love, I hear so often, man, well, well, I found Jesus. No, you didn't find Jesus. Ain't nobody found God. Ain't nobody found Jesus. Jesus found you. God finds you. And like Hagar, are you willing to repent and return? See, she had to go back to that mess. Sometimes God doesn't deliver us from our mess. Sometimes he, hey, look, we're a biker church. What do we do? Broken chain, what's your ministry? What do you do? God don't save you and take you out. God saves you and puts you right back with your brothers to let be a light for them. That's what God's done with us. He saved us. He's returned us to the community that we came from so we could be a light so others could come to know him. Right? So Hagar, verse 15, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born him Ishmael. So Hagar returns, and obviously she shares the story with Abram and Sarah because he, he submits and, and, and names him Ishmael, right? So what do we learn from chapter 16? And I'll go through these quickly. One is pretty obvious. Wait on God. Wait on God. But, J.D., you don't understand, man, it's, it's been 15 years. Wait on God. But, J.D., I've been praying 35 years. My mama prayed 35 years. Wait on God. See, if God promised it, then he's going to fulfill it. Guys, waiting is trusting. What's the first step in faith? Trust God. Trust God. Waiting is trusting. Look, and if you got to do something in the waiting, because I know how some of us are, because I, I mean, I'm not lying, remember? I got to go do something. Man, we got to go. What are y'all waiting on? We got to go. Let's go do this. If you got to do something in the waiting, then seek Him. Seek God. Seek Him. Seek Him through His Word. Seek Him through prayer. Those are the two avenues. That's what you can do in the waiting. Get into God's Word and pray. Get into God's Word and pray. When you finish getting into God's Word and pray, then you know what you do? You pray and get in God's Word. Just flip them around. Psalm 46.10, be still. Know that I'm God. Isaiah 64.4 says, since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Did you realize God's working while we're waiting? 
God's working. Here, here's what I tell people all the time, man. Look, you make sure you're right. You make sure you're not the reason that God hadn't acted yet. If you're right, right, if you're right, then, then God's doing something else. It's not you. Don't be the reason that you're waiting. Number two, sometimes affliction is our avenue to repentance and blessing. Sometimes, and that's for us, man, that's, that's for us, or it may, be, it may not be for us. You may be going through what you're going through because your prayer hadn't been answered, but as you go through your affliction, your prayer is going to be answered. The only reason you might have cancer today is because somebody's going to know about it, and through your cancer, somebody's going to come to know Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is all you need, God told Paul. My power works best in weakness. Man, when you're waiting and ain't nothing happening, are you weak? Yeah, because you're just hopeless, isn't it? That's a hopeless situation to, to be in that position and you can't do nothing. That's when the power of God shows up. Number three, God knows, He sees, He hears, He cares. There is no one, no people that God considers worthless or without value. There's no one that God's not seeking. Romans 5.8, God proves his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why are we running from that? Why, why are we running from that? Number four, God has promised it and God will provide it. Is God a liar? Can God lie? Well, okay, well, if God's promised it, he's going to provide it, right? Now, they don't always show up in, in, in ways that make sense to us, right? Y'all remember a guy named Joseph? Had a great family. They threw him in a pit and sold him. Had some good brothers, right? Joseph's life, man, was full of affliction, right? I mean, do you think Joseph was thinking, wow. Can't wait to see the next thing God does. I mean, it's one thing after another, man. But God used that and raised him up to the number two man in all of Egypt. That his family, the Hebrew people, would be saved. God promised God will provide. Philippians 4.19. My God will use his wonderful riches in Christ to give you everything you need. Guys, that's not materialistic stuff. That's spiritual Okay, that's in that relationship with him. Number five, at times we get sidetracked. Anybody been sidetracked? Do you know God doesn't get sidetracked? God doesn't get sidetracked. Look, man, in your waiting, it's not because God forgot something. In your waiting, it's not because God got sidetracked. It's not because... It has nothing to do with, I mean, God's perfect. It's part of God's plan. He's not distracted. He didn't lose focus. He didn't lose interest. He's not wavering in plans, purposes, promises, or provision. Even when we make poor choices. And Sarah and Abram just made a poor choice, didn't they? 
Numbers 23, 19. Look, God's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? He's God. If he's promised it, then it's going to take place. So look, man, Sarah got tired of waiting. She made a poor decision. Abram went along with it instead of standing on the principle and the promise of God. Here's the thing, man. They chose a son of the flesh rather than waiting on the promised son of God. When we manipulate to get what God promised, the result is a product of the flesh. Ishmael was a product of the flesh. We only get what we can do in our power and in our strength. That's all a product of the flesh can do. However, when we wait on God, when we receive His promise, it's from God. It's of God. Isaac was the promised son. When we wait on God, we get what God can do in His strength. It's the promised son. Why would we... Why, somebody, please give me a reason right now why we would choose a product of the flesh over a product of the Son. There, there's no reasonable reason for us to choose the flesh over what the God has in the Son. When we, choose, when we choose a product of the flesh, and I'll close with this. Guys, y'all come. When we choose a product of the flesh, do you know what the result is? A wild donkey of a man. When you choose, look, when you get tired of waiting and you choose the flesh, you're choosing a wild donkey of a man. You're choosing conflict. You're choosing constant conflict and, and fighting. You're, man, there's not going to be any peace in your life. Because you, you chose a son of the flesh. But when we wait, when we wait... And we let God's promise be fulfilled in, in the son that he promised. And I'm not talking about Isaac. You know what we get when that happens? Check out Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Here's what we get. We get love. We get joy. We get peace. We get patience. We get kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. Man, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we get when we wait on the promise of God. We get His Spirit in us. See, Abram and Sarah, God had to wait till they got so old. He was 100, she was 90 before the promise ever came because He wanted them dead. Right? I mean, their, their, their reproductive system was pretty much dead. Any 100-year-old guy we got in here? A 100-year-old man, a 90-year-old woman, their reproductive system is probably dead. God wanted to wait till it was death so he could show them his promise. Isn't that what Jesus told us in Luke 9, 23? If you want to be my follower, die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Hey, man, this is our response time.
And today, today we're going to do communion. The band is going to play, but I want you to really think about your life right now spiritually. I want you to think about, have you been making choices because you're tired of waiting? Have you been making choices that are a product of the flesh? Have you been making choices that are a product of the Son, God's promised Son? Man, do business with God today. As these guys play, pray for that. And then I'm going to come up and lead us, and we're going to take communion together as a body of Christ. But, man, don't, don't miss today. See, the one thing you don't have to wait for God, the one thing that you do not have to wait at all for is salvation. To be right with Him through Jesus Christ. Man, if that's never happened in your life, man, don't miss that today. That's something you don't have to wait for. You don't have to wait on Galatians 5, 23. You don't have to wait for the Spirit to fill you. He wants to do that right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. As we come to this time in our service, Lord, it's our response time. And today we want to respond to you through communion. But Lord, before we take communion, Lord, there's a time that we need to spend evaluating where we are with you. Lord, have we been making decisions that are a product of the flesh? Like Sarah and Abram, or have we been waiting? And we've been waiting for you to do that work in our life. We've been waiting for that promise of the Son. Do business right now, Lord, in each and every heart here. In Jesus' name.